I'd like to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you. I want you to learn ideas from me that'll help you navigate better issues with your wallet so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. We also have a deal site called ClarkDeals.com, growing quite rapidly. You know, it's so good to have the feedback from you, what you like, what you don't like, and you're letting us know how to serve you better at Clark Deals. So serving you better, that's what I want to do each and every day. And there are times that I don't deliver for you, that you're disappointed in me, or you feel I've given bad guidance or advice. And that's why at Clark.com, we have the Clark Stinks area, where you can go and post your disagreement or disappointment or anger at me about an opinion I've expressed, advice I've given, or just something I've said on the air. Or something you feel I should have said, and I didn't. And you post, other people can see what you've said, they can comment on it, they can agree, disagree. And so it's a very healthy forum so that I can improve and be more precise in serving you. And then weekly, our producer Krista goes through the posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. So what you're starting with this week? Don't just crack the door open. Open the door up wide, Clark, all the way and let the good light in. In your recent report of dirty dealings in the U.S. House that threatened consumer protections against pyramid schemes, I was left with more questions than answers. I couldn't find the New York Post article you mentioned and have no idea who the sponsor of the rider in the legislation was, nor the legislation the rider was attached to, and your show notes at this point are not linked to that topic. So I'm left with more disgust for our government as a whole with no effectual solution in hand. Help me connect the dots, Clark, so we can shed the good light together. I would like you when mentioning... I would like you, when mentioning further dirty legislation, to name the offending legislators and their representative states, as well as legislation references, so I can point my representatives towards the light as well. In an era where I believe many of our problems in government are due to the inability for so many of us to adequately participate, when have any of us had time to meet or call our congressperson or senator this week, Greasing the wheel toward participation is the key to making change happen. Thanks for all you do, Clark. Keep focused on those small details as they are important. Michael in Johnson City, Tennessee. Michael, thank you. And I'm looking now to see if there, if it says who is the member of the U.S. House. Here it is. It was an amendment to the 2018 spending bill. And it was introduced by U.S. Representative John Moulinar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. M-O-O-L-E-N-A-A-R. And he has received quite a bit of contributions from multi-level marketing organizations. What a surprise that he would introduce something that would, uh, that would eliminate federal oversight of multi-levels so that ones that are pyramids 
that our illegal games of chance could be shut down. So if you want to follow the trail, why would he do it? It's because he, I guess, got money to do it. Clark, I just froze my credit and my spouse's credit as well because I do love him because of the whole Equifax fiasco. And then during another podcast a few days later, I hear you talking about the great credit card that we should apply for because of the free airline tickets you can get. But I just froze our credit with the big three. And we live in a state where we have to pay $3 a pop per freeze. So $24 more to unfreeze to apply for this card. And then another $24 to refreeze it. That stinks. <laughs> well, but if you get, uh, I think the card that the poster's referring to, I talked about two. I talked about the British Airways one if you're a big spender and the Southwest one if you are a small spender that you can turn into enormous travel rewards. And the thing about having the thaw to get a great card, I am so sorry about that, and I wish I had a better way. But one thing you could do, only thaw one of your credit, not the other, cut the cost in half, because only one of you needs to be an applicant for the card. The other can be an authorized user on it. See, that'll cut that pain in half. Clark, I listen to your podcast every day and will continue to do so, but it seems like every day you speak about the Equifax data breach. I do not remember you getting this upset about the Office of Personnel Management data breach in 2015. As a civilian government employee and a member in the Coast Guard Reserves, I was affected by this data breach twice. All my security clearance information, such as all my previous addresses, phone numbers, etc., were hacked. But it goes deeper than the Equifax data breach to include my fingerprints, all my family's detailed information, and my security clearance information. I do not remember you getting this upset about this OPM breach. You're making the Equifax sound like it's the end of the world, but this is my third full-scale data breach that I have been involved in, and I'm still making it fine with no issues. Yes, I have my credit frozen. Maybe lay off the Equifax subject a little. It isn't the first time the U.S. has had a data breach. Thank you for all your information, and I will still continue to listen. Michael. Michael, thank you for your service to our country. I mean, you're working full-time on top of it. You're working for the Coast Guard, keeping us safe, and I am grateful for that. I did talk about uh, when the OPM, that's Office of Personnel Management that oversees employment with federal agencies. I did talk about the breach at that time, and I took any of a number of calls from people, and that breach was extra dangerous because it could cost people their lives. Because if it fell into the wrong hands with spy services, people could be taken out by our foreign enemies. And so that's why... That breach, although it affected a far smaller number of people, is for those people affected a potentially far more dangerous circumstance. The reason I've talked about Equifax to the degree I have is that the number of questions, the number of calls, exceeds anything on any topic we have ever had on this show in 30 years. And here's one more. (laughs) I went to your link for freezing my credit. TransUnion was fantastic. However, the other two are requiring me to send them further info in the mail. I hate mailing anything. Why? This makes it a lot more difficult. Is this going to happen when I try to thaw? What is happening to my credit when they're waiting for the mail? Is it still frozen? Is it in purgatory? 
So that's a question, but I thought you could. So respond. your credit is still functioning if someone was to attempt to apply for credit using the database of the of Experian and Equifax. For some reason, you're having to mail stuff in because they could not positively verify your identity. And so that's why this is um, this is such a pain is that if a credit bureau has what it means is they have inaccurate information about you. And so when you put in your true answers to their challenge questions, they thought that you were an imposter because one of the things about the credit bureaus is their databases are not accurate. Nearly one in three of us have inaccurate information in our credit files. And so these people think they're playing horseshoes, but their horseshoes ends up affecting us so heavily in our lives. Let's lighten it up a little bit, shall we? I'd love that. My, talk, what are we going to talk, football? Oh, no, sorry. Okay. Somebody write us, Clark stinks about football. Uh, my hero Clark has let me down by stating that Aldi's and Trader Joe's share common ownership when in fact they share common origin. Aldi is owned by Aldi Sud, whereas Trader Joe's is owned by Aldi Nord. The two companies arose from the Albrecht family grocery chain in Germany, but have been legally separate since 1966. The companies generally operate in separate areas of Germany and the rest of Europe, but both operate independently in this country. A hundred percent correct, but the the uh, culture of both of them is still like a parallel thing, and it is the same family. There was a falling out in the family, and that's how things ended up being divided, and it's too bad. Maybe another generation of the family will learn to love each other, and they'll be able to operate as a common entity, which would get them lower costs, which they could then pass on to you and me. But common ownership, I feel, I don't feel bad about the way I say that because the detail you gave is more than, uh, than normally I would give in a circumstance like that. Warning, warning, this does not compute. And on oh, this wait, edition... Wait, 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 which one is that? That does not compute. <laughs> there we go. And on this edition of Clark Regis, it is Clark who is in the hot seat. Clark, you do this every time. A caller asks about... Asks... Asks... I can talk today about saving money in their employer 401k, and your answer is always to put at least enough in to qualify for the employer match. You're always careful to ask how much the match is, but what about the vesting period? And then they do like a face palm emoticon. You, employers have different ways they calculate how much of their match you're entitled to. Some do a flat percentage each year, while others back and the majority of their match. Either way, no one gets the full match from day one. If an employee vests the majority of the match in three years and the latter and the company then the employee leaves before then, then they get virtually no match. May I humbly suggest you ask how long the person is planning on staying at their employer? Maybe the caller is planning on moving to another state or is a woman who is expecting a child and will be leaving that employer. In those situations that there is a high likelihood of them not vesting, it might be better to suggest that they focus on other saving priorities such as a Roth IRA or even a regular IRA where they have much more flexibility if they would need to access the money. 
One last thing. You always suggest to these callers to invest up to the match because it is free money when their investments have high fees. If they won't vest, then they have just shot themselves in the foot with the high fees eating up their returns. We love you, Clark and team. Keep up the great work. Just next time, take your cheap Amazon returned solar eclipse sunglasses you bought at the thrift store so you can see where you're going. <laughs> okay, that's fun. So I want to respectfully disagree with you because people end up often staying at a company longer than they expect. And if you have not made those contributions because you're worried about vesting in the plan, if you hit that threshold that you've been there long enough, you can't make that up. That money's gone. So if for a couple of years you end up with fees greater than I would like you to be paying, and then you leave and you get no company match, at least you've saved money you might not have saved otherwise. Especially when somebody's young, I want them to build the savings habit. So having it automatically come out of their check, starting to save that money. So even though there are a number of employees that phase in vesting of the employer match, I choose to ignore that that, uh, very valid point you made because for me, it's this sneaky thing of always trying to get people to save money who might not otherwise. It's also why I will often encourage people to do a Roth 401k, even if it's a 50-50 thing on whether they should do the Roth 401k or the traditional, because they tend to end up effectively saving more money if they do the Roth 401k. I appreciate all your comments. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can serve you better. We have literally thousands of questions that people have posted at Ask Clark with various issues involving the Equifax data breach. We're going to keep trying to answer as many of those as we can. Joel, what you got? Yeah, let's run through a couple, Clark. Marvin said, there are several investigations and possible lawsuits involving Equifax right now. Should I join a class action lawsuit or look into going to small claims court? First of all, don't do anything for now. Uh, As far as the class actions, these are lawyers trying to end up with a big payday being at the head of the class. There are over 100 class actions that have been filed. The courts will ultimately consolidate them. And as, as far as you and me as consumers, just wait this one out. Don't sign up with anybody's class action, and it'll emerge over time what's going to be the best position for you to get in and eventually what class action you want to be part of. All right, and John wrote in, he says, TransUnion has a free service called True Identity that locks your credit down. It seems similar to Credit Freeze. Would you recommend that? All right, so what TransUnion has done is they have Credit Lock, which is free. They continue to be able to profit from you selling off your dossier to all comers, but it's locked down for you applying for credit. So it is a different procedure with different rights for you. I prefer credit freeze, but if you don't want to spend the money, depending on your states from free to $10, if you don't want to spend the money for credit freeze, at least do the credit lock because that is a superior thing. Remember, that is free from TransUnion. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want to hit you with a story about a bank ripoff straight ahead on the Clark Howard Show. Clark.com, our main website, 
And you got a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. You also can get free off-the-air advice. That's nine hours each weekday, Clark.com. Scroll down that main page, left-hand side. Scroll down a little. You'll see the phone number and hours available for free off-the-air advice, the service of the Clark Howard Show for just under 25 years. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. One of the nation's big banks, not one of the big four, but nevertheless one of the nation's biggest banks, SunTrust, ended up getting fined and having to pay restitution to customers of the bank ordered to do so by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, for what? Because SunTrust was ripping off its own loyal customers by putting them into mutual funds that were ultra-high cost and then pocketing big kickbacks from the mutual fund company for doing it. Now let me tell you how this plays. And this is one of the reasons why you should never, 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 not ever do investing with a bank. They are ultra-high cost, big commissions, big fees. So a lot of mutual fund companies, in order to try to attract people that will sell their funds, will offer what are known as multiple classes of shares. So they'll sell some. If somebody is, uh, let's say, a financial planner who is a fiduciary to you, only working for you, he or she will sell the one that's the lowest cost choice for you. But then someone else, like SunTrust, will take a different class of shares where you, the customer, charge much higher fees. Now remember, it's the same exact mutual fund that other people are in, but in order for the bank to get these big kickbacks, you're charged much higher fees. So the bank, while they're smiling at you, is stabbing you in the back. Now this is what's absolutely terrible in a story done about this by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is the bank said they took corrective actions but believed its disclosures were adequate. I'll read the exact quote. Although we believe that our disclosures were in accordance with industry standards, we cooperated fully with the SEC and are pleased to settle this matter. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. What is wrong with these people? By the way, I'm one of these people. I have a small amount of stock in SunTrust Bank. So I'm mad at myself as a stockholder that I would be a stockholder in a bank that's moral compass would be so broken that they wouldn't realize that they should just say, we messed up, we're paying restitution, and we won't do it again, to instead say that we believe our disclosures were in accordance with industry standards? Precisely. That's why you never want to invest with a bank. If they think it's okay to charge you all kinds of extra money on an investment that you don't even realize you're paying because 
you're paying more so the bank can get kickbacks? What's a bank doing taking kickbacks anyway? By the way, they don't call them kickbacks in the industry. Isn't that funny? They call them things like revenue share and stuff like that. They are kickbacks by any other name. When you are looking to invest, invest with people who put you first. Someone who is going to be a fiduciary. As best I know, there's not a bank in the United States that if you go to them for investing is going to treat you as they should, which is give you the lowest cost choices out there and put you first where they take on a fiduciary duty where they are there to serve you. By the way, if you go to the low-cost people, the people offering the really inexpensive funds like uh, Schwab and Vanguard and some of the Fidelity funds, they're charging one 30th to 150th of what you'll pay in fees from their low choices to the typical one that you would buy from a bank for an investment. What are banks good for? Okay, so let's see. Banks are good to have checking accounts, have a credit card. Uh, Let me think. Anything else? Generally, if you're going to borrow, you're going to do so much better at a credit union. Oh, and by the way, you'll do much better with a checking account if you do that at a credit union or with an online bank. It's up to you. It's your money. I just said all that about a company I'm one of the owners of, didn't I? Jamie is with us. Hello, Jamie. Hello. Good to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You have a question for me about going out seeking work. Let's see if I can be of help. Well, actually, my question was that I'm just now entering the workforce uh, later on in my years, and I just want to know that I'm saving enough um, that, I'm, that I need to be, I, that I should have been 20 years ago. So you have the job now, and you're tr- trying to save along the way. And tell me what your overall situation is. Do you have uh, savings? Do you have money in any kind of retirement account? Uh, not much. I have two small uh, Roth accounts that I started in my 20s and didn't do much with that only have a few thousand dollars in them. And then um, I have a couple of things that are offered at my employer that I'm taking advantage of, and I just want to see if that's enough. So you said later in life. Do you mind giving me a general <laughs> age territory that you are? 44. Okay. That's not later in life. Most people don't even think about saving for retirement till their 40th birthday. So you're actually right in line. It's a big bonus if somebody does in their 20s because they don't have to save nearly as much each paycheck in order to get it done. But for you, you need to save as much as you can till it hurts and then save some more. Okay. So in the employer option you have, is it a 401k or something like that? So I don't know a lot about it. I think it's a 403B uh, TIACREF, um, and my employer actually um, is 
putting a certain amount in there. And then I also fall under the state teacher's retirement uh, pension, which is, I believe, 7% of my salary, not my salary, but equal to my salary that they put in to that teacher's retirement fund for me. So, by the way, you won the lottery that your 403B is with the only good 403B provider in the country. Oh. TIA is, they used to be called TIA Crep, now called TIA. They are the absolute best 403B provider, and nobody's close. So slap into that as much of your paycheck as you possibly can. Okay. Because their plans are great, they're low cost, and they're there to serve you. So if you can, what I'd like you to do, whatever you're doing now, step it up 1% of your pay every six months. And keep doing it till you're like, how am I even going to eat now with (laughs) what Clark's had me do? So I want you just to keep shoving money into that. Because at 44, you're going to benefit if you teach long enough from the retirement plan, you know, the pension. Mm -hmm. But uh, you want to have as much money as you can in retirement. And everything you save in that TIA plan is going to be central to you having comfort in retirement. Okay. And if I were to give a percent that I'd like you to ultimately aim for, are you sitting or standing? Uh, I'm sitting. (laughs) Okay. So I'd like you to aim for 20% of your pay. And is that included in the 7% that goes into that teacher's retirement? I did not count that. Okay. So, I mean, that's the reach goal. But if you take enough time to get there, increasing the amount you're saving 1% every six months, mm-hmm. it'll come easier than you realize. Because we don't notice little changes in our net check. We notice big changes in our net check. Right. So, Can I offer one, one other question? We yeah. have a two-year-old, and we are putting, we're wanting to put back 100 Well, we do put $100 a month into her savings, but I know that can be utilized in a better way until she's 18. So where, does, where does, should that go? All right. So you're a teacher? I'm not. I just work for a federal contractor and fall under that teacher's Oh, okay. The reason okay. I was asking is that uh, if you were a teacher, you would be all about your kid going to college likely and is that something you're expecting for your two-year-old that i'm expecting your two-year-old to go to college yes <laughs> all right so if college is you said that like of course i'm expecting my kid to go to college <laughs> if that's the case i want you to put the money in you said you're in oklahoma is that what you said yes the oklahoma college savings plan direct plan i have a, don't worry about all that wording i have a direct link to it on my 529 plan guide at clark.com. Okay. And then putting 100 a month in is perfect for that. The money will grow tax-free and be spent on her college tax-free. And Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jennifer, you're thinking of turning your home into a rental property. Is that right? Yes. And I'm thinking about that. And so are you going to rent part of the home you're going to live in, or are you moving from that home and you're thinking of turning it into a rental? So I'd move from the home and turn it into a rental. Well, how may I be of help with that? What kind of questions do you have for me? Well, I bought the home 21 years ago, 
And so I've, I have substantial equity, but I've also pretty much remodeled the whole home and we've put an addition on. So if I turn it into a rental and ended up selling it down the road, I'm kind of wondering what they hit you with capital gains because what I paid for it 20 years ago, is it based on that what I paid for it or can I... Uh, on the adjusted the basis. So which means what you paid for it plus the improvements you've done on it that you can substantiate, you know, that you can prove, those two things okay. add together to set what's known as the adjusted basis. And so what you would owe tax on if you convert it into a rental property is the difference between what you'd sell it for and your total cost in it. So what did you pay for it 21 years ago? Um, 103000 and how much would you guess you put in in documented improvements? Well, and I don't know if I've got real documented improvements is my is my concern. Well, then I mean, let's we just go with the 103 in, for now. What would your house sell for today? Um, probably 250,000. There's a direct advantage to you selling that home. Yes, and I've heard you talk about that. Because you would pocket all that gain tax-free. Uh, single individuals pocket two fifty of gain tax-free. Married couples, $500,000. Mm-hmm. And if you convert it into a rental property, there's a, a period of time you can rent it out, and then after that you lose that safe harbor from paying tax, which yeah. is roughly three years' time as a rental. Okay. But, but if you already have an embedded gain that large, why not just take that gain? Yeah, and and that was my thought, is maybe rent it for a year or two and see if it's even something. But I've, I've probably put $80,000, but a lot of the work we've we've done ourselves. So well, how do you... How it do would you be the materials, you don't get anything for your labor, and it would be uh, substantial improvements are what would count against the basis. But you're in you're in such a catbird seat situation that having mm-hmm. that gain, you don't even have to worry about the basis. I mean, you've got the exact amount of gain here that you can sell. You just take the profits, and you know, at some point, if you want to have a rental property, you could buy one, and yeah. then you've got the basis at what you paid for it. And you don't have to worry about a tax bomb later on. And I would consider that if you want to move on from this house, that you do move on both ways, that you move to another place and sell it. Stephen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephen. Hi. hi, Good day. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So you want to score some money from your used clothes? Is that true? Yeah, um, my wife and I listened to your program, and a couple of months ago, you mentioned a website that you can sell clothes. Um, yeah, there are several. There are to... several I've talked about. They're all very heavily geared towards women, not men. And oh, the reason okay. we're cut out of it as guys <clears throat> is we tend to wear our clothes till they're falling apart. Yeah, I understand that one. But is this for you or for your wife? Are you thinking that you uh, want to... Actually, uh, I have a 
couple nice coats that I like to sell. I wanted to find out if there's a better place than eBay to sell them. Yeah, I mean, there are specialty sites that what they do is they're for selling your clothes, mm-hmm. and um, they play like a match game with people that are looking to buy clothes at a discount. And the one that's for real high-end clothes is the Real Real, R-E-A-L, R-E-A-L, but it's therealreal.com. The okay. one that's the most popular out there that's not necessarily geared towards high end is Thread Up, which is T H R E D U P dot com. Okay. And another is Poshmark that is very popular. And swap.com is one that does a lot of men's clothes. Okay. So hopefully one of those will work for you. Yeah, I'll give give them a try and look into it. Well, I hope it does work. And for women, particularly if you have designer goods that you don't want anymore and they're still in really good shape, like you bought an evening gown that you only wore once or twice, those can bring you decent value in the marketplace from these used sellers. And for a buyer... They present an opportunity for somebody to get something at a huge discount versus original price. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and travel escape sign up now you'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think i'm wasting your time go to clark.com newsletters